0: 1 Timothy chapter 5, First Timothy chapter 5, last week we spent our time talking about the first two verses and uh, talked about the fact that sometimes it's hard to have confrontations with people, uh, but you know, sometimes it has to happen. Right's right, wrong's wrong, it doesn't matter who you are. And Paul is telling Timothy there's going to be times in your life that you have to have these confrontations about things that go on and you've got to have the courage to do it. And we talked about the fact that we do too. Beginning in verse 3 all the way through verse 16, we're going to talk about uh, widows and the care for widows, uh, all of that. And I plan to cover all of that. You guys may not believe that, um, but I do. You know, when I study this, This topic is not uh, as applicable to us as maybe it would be to some other countries. You know, when it's talking about widows here that are destitute, has no one to take care of them, and they're just completely on their own. You know, in our country, we have a lot of systems in place that helps with a lot of different things. But if you will go travel to other places in the world, you're going to find out that that's not the case. And these verses in a place like India, man, they're really, going to hit home, because those people, I mean, they have to take all of this into consideration because they don't have all of those programs and all of these things to help with a lot of different people. Now, just because we have programs in this country doesn't mean that you can shun responsibilities found in these verses. But we're going to study them in a way that hopefully will benefit us as far as uh, the society that we live in. He starts by saying, honor widows, and I wrote down a list here, and I've got it on my phone of what God thinks about widows. He has a lot to say about widows. Now, I just want to read some of these verses. Psalm 68, verse 5. It says, God is a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, and he is God in his holy habitation. Exodus 22, verse 22 through 24. The Bible says, You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. Listen to this. God says, If you afflict them in any way and they cry at all to me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath will become hot, and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives shall be widows and your children fatherless. God's pretty serious, isn't he? Don't afflict the, the orphans and the widows. Don't do that. He says, I, if you do, you get me. Deuteronomy ten seventeen 17, and 18. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Proverbs 15, verse 25. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the boundary of the widow. Psalm 146, verse 9. The Lord watches over the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and the widow, but the way of the wicked he turns upside down. Isaiah 1, 16 and 17. Wash yourselves and make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good. He said, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, and plead for the widow. When you go on, Malachi 3 verse 5 talks about it. In Acts chapter 6, uh, where the first seven deacons were uh, put into place, that was all over taking care of the widows, right? There was a need of widows there. Uh, and God was going to make sure that need was taken care of. The Bible says in James one twenty seven, pure and undefiled religion for God and the Father is this. He says, what is that? You, you take care. You minister to the orphans and the widows, and you keep yourselves unspotted from the world. Uh, the point is God has a lot to say, and that's just a small portion of verses when it comes to people who are widowed in their life. Uh, God is a God of compassion and love. And God has compassion. If you find yourself in that position this morning, know that God has your back. That God feels your pain and, and He's always there for you. Now when Paul tells Timothy to honor widows, he's talking about more of, of not being degrading to them, not being you know, disrespectful to them. He says give them the, uh, their, their due." These people don't find themselves in this position by their choice. It's hard times that fell on them, and they're in a difficult situation. And he says, treat them as such. He says, but I want you to honor willow, widows who are really widows. You say, well, what does that mean? If you go to King James, it's ta- going to say widows indeed. Well, what is a widow that's really a widow or a, a widow indeed? If, if somebody's spouse has died, aren't they a widow? Yes, absolutely. But God says there's going to be different types of widows, if you will, or widowers. There's going to be people in different situations, and, and He's going to address those different situations. And it's going to benefit the church. He says, if you want to know who a real widow is, or a widow indeed, verses 4 and 5 is going to tell us, verses 9 and 10 is going to tell us who the real widow is, and then we're going to talk about uh, the other things in between. He says, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents. For this is good and acceptable unto God. If any widow has family members, he says your job is to show kindness to your own, to show piety, to to repay what was done for you. All of us had parents, grandparents, whatever it was, to take care of us when we could not take care of ourselves, And when it comes to that point in life that a person finds themselves in a situation that they can't care for themselves, God says it's the responsibility of the family to do that. We're going to have more to say about that. I'm going to hold off because he's going to come back to it in just a moment. He says, now she who is really a widow, who is really a widow, somebody that, that he's talking about here that and what we're going to see is this is a person that the church is going to, in essence, take under their wing and maybe fully support this person in their life. That's the person that he's talking about. He's not saying that if you're a widow and this doesn't fit you, that it doesn't mean you're not a widow. No, it means you're not a widow that's going to fit the qualifications to be under full support of the church. He says, now, the person that he's talking about is someone that is left alone, somebody that is destitute. Somebody that finds themselves in this situation and maybe their husband has died. They have no way of making a living now. They have no money and they need somewhere to stay. I told you, in this country, we don't see that as much. But you go to third world countries, you see that all the time. And you see people in this situation, they find themselves without a spouse now. They have no way of making a living. They're not uh, physically able to get out and work. Maybe there's no job available that they could even do. So they find themselves in a position that is very destitute, very, very lonely. And Paul tells Timothy, these are the people that I'm talking about that the church needs to take care of. They find themselves alone. They trust in God. This widow that, that he's talking about, she is one that uh, would put her whole heart into her religion. She is a true Christian. She's one that continues in supplications and prayers. Again, supplication is just a specific, urgent request, and prayers just simply means in the general sense of one that prays to God. This is a faithful Christian, and she does this uh, night and day. This is a person that uh, is a real Christian. And he says this is a person that he's going to talk about when he gets to verse 9 who can be taken in with the numbers. But he says in verse 8, but she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. He's making a contrast between two different groups of widows. He says you've got one group of uh, of widows here that they find themselves in urgent need of a lot of things. You've got another group here that maybe are not dependent upon God, and and we're going to find out probably a, a lot younger And he says, in way of contrast, this person really trusts in God, this person lives their life in pleasure. The main purpose in life is to to live it up, to have a good time, to, to have anything and everything that they want. And he says, that person doesn't need the church. That person doesn't need to be taken under the number and financially supported. In fact, the person that lives their whole life with nothing in view but pleasure Paul tells Timothy that person is dead while they live. You say, well, that's kind of contradictory, and, but not when you think about spiritually and physically. We can be physically alive, physically healthy, and completely dead spiritually. And God says the person that lives their life in, in pleasure, and that's their purpose in life, well, he says, well, they're in trouble. He says, these things command that they may be blameless. Paul tells Timothy, he says, you command these things. This is not optional. This is not something that you take to the church and say, hey, if you guys are all right with this, and you know, you, you just kind of work it out amongst your... That's not what he's saying. He said, these things that I'm telling you that are about people that find themselves in these situations, these are commandments. And remember, Paul's writing this letter so Timothy knows how to behave himself in the church. First Timothy 3, verse 15. He says, all of these things I'm going to tell you, that's how you deal with with different people. You teach these people this. You command these people this so that they may be blameless, so that they may be a person that blame cannot be brought upon them. They're a person that that lives above reproach. An elder is one who has to be blameless. In fact, all Christians, in essence, if you're going to be a faithful Christian, should be blameless. You should be a person that lives a life above uh, being accused and blamed of a lot of different things. My question is, who's the they? You command and you teach these things that they may be blameless. Well, who is that? Is he talking about, you know, the, the widows that's taken under the number, the, the younger widows that live in pleasure? Is he talking about the whole church as a whole, or, or who's he talking about? Or is he talking about family members of the people that, that are under consideration here? Well, that's a good question. That's a good question. And commentators, they all go in all different ways. Uh, ways when it comes to that I think you can just apply it to everybody but in fact when you get to verse 8 he's going to go and he's going to talk specifically to the family members he says but if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever we were we use this verse a lot of times and a lot of times in all truthfulness we use it out of context And we talk about the fact that if somebody won't work and provide for his family, that, you know, he's worse than an unbeliever. And that is true. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10, if man won't work, neither should he eat. So, in fact, that is true. But in this specific uh, Scripture, God is talking about people that won't provide for a widow or, or widower family member. And he's saying, if you won't take and provide, and the word provide means to think of beforehand. If you don't uh, if you don't make plans, if you don't put it into practice in your life and, and have it all figured out to when something happens, maybe to one of your parents one of your grandparents, whatever it is, if you don't do that as a Christian he says you've denied the faith you've denied the faith what does it mean to deny the faith? Well if we're a Christian, we profess to be a Christian we claim to be that we we come to church, we sit down to worship, and, but these things are not optional. He says, these are things that you command and you teach, that people have got to do. And he says, if we refuse to do that, we've denied the faith. And in essence, he says, we're worse than an unbeliever. Worse than an unbeliever. Paul tells Timothy here, he's saying, unbelievers do this. People that are not Christians, if they find their family members in great need, they step up and, and they take care of them. So in that sense, if we won't do that in a non-Christian way, we're worse than a non-Christian. But in another sense, if God commands us to do something and we don't do it, we're in trouble, right? It's better to have never known the way of truth and to know it and to turn away from it. So in all truthfulness, in that sense, we're worse than an unbeliever too. What does it mean to provide for those of his own and especially of those of his household? Those that are of his own, that would simply maybe mean extended family members. How far do you take that? That's a tough question, isn't it? How far do you take it? you got a great aunt twice removed way over. You go way over there and you take it. You've got to take care of them. That's a judgment call. But that's a tough one. God says we are to take care of the people that are of our own. But he says, especially those of your own household. Especially. Especially your parents, and maybe your grandparents, your, your children, your siblings, whatever it is. If you find yourself in that situation, your job is to provide for them to the best of your ability. Now... The question is often raised, and man, I have heard a lot of preachers talk about this when it comes to the whole idea of nursing homes and all of these things. My parents always told me if I put them in a nursing home, they'd haunt me. And uh, I said, well, I'll try not to do that, which uh, my dad didn't have to go, and that was, uh, in his, that, that was a good thing for him. He wouldn't have been a good patient at all. Uh, but sometimes does that have to happen? Sometimes is that people's first option? Sometimes that's the first thing we want to do because we don't want to take care of people. We don't want to help people. And if it comes to the point that we need to do that, do I think that's sinful? No. But if it's just we don't want to deal with any of the responsibility, we just want to get rid of them so we can go on living our lives, is that a different situation? Yeah. yeah and we're going to have to use some wisdom when it comes to this. We're going to have to do, do a real examination of our heart. Because, again, is it is it hard to deal with family members? Oh, yeah. Sometimes family is, is is the most difficult people to deal with in the world. And sometimes we just don't want to. But I want us to understand God says if we won't do that, we're in trouble. We're in big, big trouble. So we need to take that very, very seriously. Don't take it lightly and just, you know, when it comes to those decisions that need to be made and, Uh, that's a big deal. What about when we find ourselves, maybe that family member's in need and and maybe immediately we want to go to the church and we want to ask for help for that family member, but in all truthfulness, we have the capability to help them ourselves. Is it the church's responsibility if we can help them ourselves? No. No, and that's what Paul is dealing with here. He said, you've got to teach people this. Take care of your responsibility first. And if there's no one there to take care of that responsibility, maybe they're not capable, truly not capable, then the church is to step in. The church is to to step in and to take care of this situation. In fact, that's what he deals with in verse 9. He says, do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number. What does he mean? Well, if maybe you've got a, a registry here and you've got this group of people and And maybe the church decides, hey, you know, we've got to take care of of this number of people. He's going to give requirements, if you will, for that person to be able to be taken in. Say at Willow Avenue, if we had 10 widows or widowers that we were just going to take in and on a weekly basis we were going to support, they would have to fit within these requirements. And, and, And that's tough, isn't it, sometimes? But God gives that for a reason. He's, he's trying to not burden the church. And again, sometimes we want to burden the church with things to relieve ourselves of our obligations, but He doesn't want the church to be burdened. The church's job is to seek and to save the lost. And a large part of, of what we give to the church should go to that, perhaps the majority of that. Uh, of the teaching and preaching and converting people and all of those things. And if the church is burdened with a heavy load of, of taking care of so many people, what happens? Well, then those other responsibilities, they get put to the side. And we lose sight of our focus. So he wants to make sure that he has Timothy put in place to, to make sure to teach all these people this. He says, don't let them be taken under the number unless they're at least 60 years old. Why did he pick 60 years old? Well, one reason is during this time period, people didn't live near as long as they did now. If you go to, again, to a lot of these third world countries, the life expectancy is far lower. If you're in India and you're 70 years old, you're an old person. You're truly an old person because people don't live that long. They get, you know, all these diseases and accidents and all of these things. So during this time period, I'm sure it's the same. They got a lot of poor people. You've got a lot of sickness, a lot of, you know, accidents, just things that, that we don't think about today. And he says if somebody gets to the point that they're 60 years old and they're a widow, odds are they're not in very good health. Odds are they're not going to be able to, to get a job and work on a weekly basis to provide for themselves. So first, you look for somebody that's of age, somebody that's younger than that. Well, what can happen? Well, if they're healthy and they're young enough, they can get a job. They can do a lot of different things to provide their own living. For always providing our own living, it it helps us uh, physically, emotionally, mentally, all of those things, and God knows that. Uh, It hurts our pride to ask for help. It hurts everybody's pride to ask for help. And again, God knows that. And he doesn't want people that don't truly need help uh, being taken care of by the church. He says don't take them in unless uh, they are at least 60 years old, not unless she has been the wife of one man. Again, God says if this lady has been somebody that's been married four or five times and she's been somebody that's not lived a life that a Christian should live, well, you don't take her under the number. You know, some brethren believe that if she has been married more than one time, then you cannot take her into the number no matter what. I don't, I don't agree with that. Because here in just a minute, he's going to tell the younger widows, hey, if you, you're young enough and you become a widow, he says, marry again, remarry, find you somebody else. If he's going to tell them that it's okay to remarry and the second husband dies, but then they can't be taken care of, well, it wouldn't make sense to tell them to remarry, right? He should have told them just to stay single and, and hope everything works out and then later on they could be taken care of. But this is a person that's scripturally okay with God. They maybe you know, I, I've known people that's been married a few times. And their spouses have died a few times. And that's a difficult situation that people find themselves in. And in no shape, form, or fashion did they do anything wrong. Romans 7, the first three verses, talks about the fact that death severs the covenant. And there's nothing we can do about death. So if this lady has been the husband or the wife of one husband, she's okay. Well-reported. For good works. Again, sometimes we would think, you mean we can't take care of somebody that you know, maybe doesn't have the best reputation for doing good to other people? That's what God says. He says, I'm looking for somebody to be taken under the number that's lived the real life. That everybody knows that you know, she has tried to do what she could. Maybe she's a Dorcas. You know, remember when Dorcas died, what happened? Man, all those people are coming around and they're standing around and they're showing all the things that she did. This is a woman well-reported. People know that she's the real deal. If she has brought up children, you know, I thought about that. We're talking about somebody that's taken under the number, and God says the children have the responsibility to take care of her. Well, this lady, he says she's brought up children. Why aren't her children taking care of her? Well, that could be a lot of reasons, couldn't it? Number one, her children, they may be dead. I don't know. Number two, her children may be not following verse 8. Maybe they have refused, and they don't want any part of taking care. Again, a lot of people, they just go stick their parents or grandparents or whatever in the nursing home and don't think a second thought about it. And, And they really don't care. And again, that's not biblical. But this woman that is going to be taken care of, it's a woman that's been a good mother. She's been the kind of person that God would have her to be. If she has lodged strangers... Again, during this time period, it's a little different than how we live. You know, when people come to town uh, and they were traveling along, it was commonplace. If you were a good person, you brought them in and you let them stay with you. Some of you have have told me way back when, when maybe there was a gospel meeting, a visiting preacher and his family, what'd you do? You took them into your house. You let them stay with you. You fed them all of those things. Again, what God is looking for. If she has washed the saint's feet, again, the time period is... Uh, under consideration here these people have traveled and and their feet are filthy with their sandals and she has shown hospitality she has shown humility that's what the whole lesson in john 13 on washing feet was simply on humility it's not a church practice that god would have us to do but it's we're looking for the person uh, that's humble that's willing to do whatever it is that they need to do if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. Again, we're looking for a Christian lady. Verse 11, he says, but refuse the younger widows. Refuse them. He's not saying don't help them. He's not saying that you can't provide some type of aid. He is simply saying you do not take them under the number. You don't put them on the payroll of the church, if you will, if they're younger. Here's the reason why. For when they have begun to grow wanton against Christ, they desire to marry, having condemnation because they cast off their first faith. All right, he says, here's the situation. You take a a lady that's 40 years old, and her husband has died, and you take her into the number, and she says, I'm never going to marry again. I need help. I need support. Okay, you take her in. Three years pass, and she decides, I don't know about this. I think I'm going to look for a mate again. So she has made a pledge to the church. She said, you, you take me in, you take care of me, and, and, and I promise I'll be this. A couple years pass by, she changes her mind. She changes her mind. She decides she wants to marry again. What has happened? Well, she's cast off her promise, right? She's cast off the things that, that she has said that she would do. God says, don't take him in. He says, because odds are, if you are younger, when you become a widow or widower, Odds are you're going to want to remarry. And that's, that's a good thing. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. He says, and besides this, they learned to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things which they ought not. He says, if you take a, a, a younger widow in, and again, remember the time period, these 60-year-olds probably, you know, uh, again, were, were more feeble, were more sickly at the time period. And he says, people younger than that, they're going to come in, and, and if you're taking care of them, they've got way too much time on their hands. Let me ask you guys, what happens when you have way too much time on your hands? Does your mind wander, and you get idle, and you get in being a busybody, and you get to gossiping, and you get to doing a lot of things? In my life as a Christian, if I am busy, I'm a far better person. Far, far better person. If my mind is occupied, my body's occupied, all of that, but man, you're sitting around, that's not good. And God knows it's not good. He says if you take these younger widows in and they're still healthy and young enough to, to get out and do and, and you're providing for them and, and they don't have enough uh, to do, he says they're going to, all these things are going to happen and it's going to cause all kind of problems. They're going to be idle and busybodies and gossips and, and they're going to be spreading and saying things that they have no business he says, therefore, because of those reasons, because of those reasons, we don't want people making promises they're not going to keep. We don't want people being idle and busybodies and gossips. He says, therefore, I desire that the younger women marry. He says, get remarried. If you find yourself in that position and you're young enough, get remarried. He says, bear children. Well, if these people that we're talking about here that are widows are still young enough to bear children, they're probably in their 30s. He says, get married, bear children. You know, do the things that maybe you didn't get to do with the first husband because whatever happened. He says, manage the house. A woman is the manager of the house. The husband is the head of the house, but the wife's the manager. We've talked about that here before too. And you husbands, if you are uh, truthful and honest, you would agree with that. You may be the head of your house, but your wife manages it. She sees the day-to-day operations of all the things that goes on. If us men, if we think that's... uh, Opposite of that, we're lying and deceiving ourselves. My wife's the manager of the house. I have no problem with that. What she says goes, right? My father-in-law tells me he's the head, but his wife's the neck. She just turns the head. Don't tell him I said that. All right, he says, he desires that they marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity for the adversary to speak reproachfully. He says, do what you're supposed to do, and people won't be able to say things bad against you. Satan won't be able to tempt people to say things bad. He says, I'm telling you this, verse 15, for some have already turned aside after Satan. Some people have not listened to what I'm telling you, Timothy. And he says, some people's already fallen away. One more verse and our time is up. He says, if any believing man or woman has widows, he says, let them relieve them and do not let the church be burdened that it may relieve those who are really widows. That's pretty plain, isn't it? If You're a Christian And you got a family member, a family member. Now, how far extended does that go? That's your judgment call. Don't burden the church to unburden yourself because God is not pleased with it. I appreciate your attention.